Thank you for joining us. I'm Charlotte Snyder, and I'm podcasting from the Bondec Montessori in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today, we're talking about the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. Specifically, we're talking about how that phrase never works. Do as I say, not as I do has been around for centuries. Many of us even heard these words as children, usually in response to an argument. Uh, But do as I say, not as I do. Maybe we've even heard ourselves against all of our best efforts accidentally having these words tumble out, even as we try to pull them back in. Even when we don't actually say the words, sometimes we embody this phrase, this mindset of do as I say, not as I do. It's so unintentional that we cringe when we realize it. One really clear example is tidying. When I'm done reading my book, I often will just put it down next to my chair. The same is true of my knitting or my iPad or or anything else. That's where I use it. I know where to look for it, and it's not too obtrusive. Perfect. This might as well be where it goes. And yet when a child is done reading and they put their book down next to their chair, We insist the books are put back where they belong, or that the toys are tidy, or we ask, is that where that goes? Uh, Or we feel ourselves being frustrated. If I step on one more Barbie shoe, or one more Lego, or one more car, bah! Yet, while I'm writing this, there are several different browser windows open, with, I'm embarrassed to say how many tabs open, and inbox zero, while one of my goals is far from reality. I am embodying, do as I say, not as I do. So why does this happen? How does this happen? The expectations we set for our own children are so often the ideal of our own childhood. A generation of stay-at-home moms raised a generation of working moms who then ushered in a new philosophy of parenting with flexible schedules and stay-at-home dads. Who knows what's going to happen with the next generation? If we felt our parents were too rigid, we might err on the side of too lax or flexible rules. Whereas if we felt our parents' consistency and hard, no-nonsense attitude served us really well, we enforce this for our children. We want our children to have everything we've accomplished and nothing that we've struggled with. We want to give them the world whether that's achieved through never having a care in the world or through pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. We always have the best of intentions. We're always working from a place of love. We're imperfect. We have our charms and our foibles, but does that mean anything goes? Can we not have expectations of our children until we're perfect ourselves? Absolutely not. It just means We must examine our motives and our models and make sure our words are in line with our actions. In Montessori, this is called positive phrasing. My emotions and my actions match my word choice. We learn so much through tone, through mimicry, through action, rather than specifically listening to the words that are chosen. Let's take one example, a common example, making the bed. It's a common chore for even very young children. And since we've had beds to make, I'm sure there are children who have disagreed with their parents about making it. 
Studies show successful people make their bed. Maybe it's setting your day off on the right foot. Maybe it's that eating a frog, Mark Twain's analogy of doing one hard thing first and the rest of the day will be improved. Maybe it's just because things are nicer when they're tidy, which is just as fine a reason as any. Maybe it's broken window theory. The idea that if one thing is messy or broken, other things follow and the consequences grow larger and larger. The point is, whatever your reason for in this family we make our beds, it's a common one. And your reason is your own and your reason is fine. The other point is, if children see us making our beds, they'll be more inclined to, as well as if they're not inclined to, we can use this philosophy of in this family with authority. It's really hard to require a child to wear a coat when we're not wearing a coat ourselves, or to put sunscreen on when they don't see us putting sunscreen on, or to eat a nutritious meal when we ate something standing over the sink. It can sometimes invite an argument. After all, children want to be just like us. It's something called mirror neurons, where they're hardwired to act just like we do. It's walking and talking to emulating behavior and worldview. Even when we don't want to be like our parents, that pendulum shift, they're hugely influential in our lives. And even taking a different stance on something than our own parents did is still, in so many ways, a response to how we were parented ourselves. Sometimes this means just shifting things around. Sometimes it can be as simple as before I ask a child to let me put sunscreen on, letting them see me put sunscreen on, or asking them after I'm done putting sunscreen on my shoulders, do you want to put sunscreen on or do you want my help? Or tidying up our own belongings before bed, the same way we ask our children to. It's very difficult to say with any authority, you need to put your things away when a child has just seen me put my things down next to my chair and not think another thought of it. Sometimes that just means an awareness. Huh, I guess I don't wear a coat if I'm running in and out of the car doing errands. And if I want my child to stop arguing about wearing their coat, I could start wearing mine. Sometimes this means inviting a child into the agreement and holding them accountable. This is especially effective for older children. This requires logic and problem solving, which is not necessarily a skill for those first plain early childhood under six years. We start to see this as a child ages, maybe kindergarten age, um, certainly for elementary. Decide on which options you're going to give your child. Would you like to make your bed before or after you eat breakfast? And then stay the course. This is one that really appeals to families who are trying to give their children more choice. But a really vital piece here is to reflect prior to giving the options, particularly if a child is new to making choices and if the adults in their lives are new to providing choices, it can be natural to have a bit of testing or pushback here and to fall into that with a child. Why do I have to make my bed at all? How about I do it before I go to bed? If it's so important to you, you do it because I don't care if my bed's made or not. 
And a huge part of our responsibility as parents, caregivers, and educators is to help children not just grow to adulthood, but to give them life skills to help them develop good habits, to provide a structure, and to allow freedom within and as a child demonstrates self-discipline. Self-discipline is the only discipline. This can be one of those times when it's easy to follow a child off a cliff. But let's think about what would happen if we substitute another cultural norm for making the bed. Uh, Let's say speed limits. When we give children skills to practice self-discipline in a way that's safe, we're giving them skills to exert self-discipline when the stakes are so much higher. Holding children accountable, having high expectations, and then giving them not only the skills to meet those, but also the consequences that naturally follow. And this is one of those times when consequence is not a negative. If you make your bed before breakfast, we can sit and eat breakfast together. Uh, If I have to nag you about this, that's less time for us to spend together. Those are consequences. A consequence of sitting together, a consequence of maybe playing a game before school because you decided to tidy up your things while I made your breakfast, or if we have to do this together, the consequence is we don't get time to read a book. So giving them the skills and the opportunity to practice, and even the opportunity to fail there so that we have that learning experience built in in a really safe, loving, nurturing environment. I personally, I really could be better about always putting my things away, always tucking in my chair every time I stand about actively working toward inbox zero. That's another difference between home and school, between private and public life. This is another way we're always learning and growing, always working toward being better. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bondec. And email us with comments, questions, and suggestions at hello at bondec.org. Until next time.